your first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. And don't forget to subscribe so you can receive notifications when we post a new episode. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming Podcast to catch our reels, our weekly prayer time, and our behind the scenes. I am your co-host, Delaney. I'm typically in the studio with my co-host, Bev, except she is living her best life out in Florida. I'm not jealous at all. It's fine. She's on the beach. It's okay. But today I'm super thrilled to introduce you to a super special guest. She was our gather speaker two years ago. She's author of several several books, including one of my personal favorite Bible studies, which is the True Woman Study. And she recently released her new book, which was totally the message that I needed, but I didn't know I needed at the time. So you can imagine my surprise when I picked it up and I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I get I get the message. Yep, I needed to hear this. So her new book is called The Right Kind of Confidence. So welcome to the show, Mary Cassian. Thanks, Delaney. I'm so excited to be with you today. I know. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We like to start out with a signature question. I feel like it's a great icebreaker and just a great way to get to know you a little bit. So our signature question is, how has God been speaking to you lately? Ooh, I know. how has God God been speaking to me lately. Well, you know, before we got started the podcast, I was telling you that um, I have been down and out and flat on my back with COVID and a bad version of it for quite a few weeks now and kind of turned the corner here and starting to um, see the light of day again. But I think one of the things that during that whole... um, kind of the COVID journey is just, uh, just, a just a reassurance of God's sovereignty mm-hmm. and just, uh, trust in him and just, uh, just an awareness of his presence and that, um, you know, that we can face whatever we are facing at whatever time and whatever circumstance, um, that, that God is in control and that we don't need to be afraid. We can be confident in that. And actually, that kind of segues really well into today's topic. And the whole COVID uh, situation in a lot of different places. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm up in Canada and COVID up here is still raging yeah. strong and not just in terms of the infections but just in terms of the cultural impact of mm-hmm. it and there are a lot of people who have just been really really shaken by it and uh, fearful and not just fearful for their health or their loved one's health but fearful of just a loss of freedom fearful of the future fearful of uh, just um, government overreach, fearful of all sorts of things, fearful of their neighbors and fearful of just meeting people or fearful of not meeting people. So there's just a lot of lot of um, uh, just shaking Mm -hmm. that's gone on. And here in Canada, we've we've, uh, you know, really been locked down in many different ways. And I think it's caused a lot of upheaval. So this question of where do you put your confidence has really, um, 
is a really important one. And this is actually, you know, The Right Kind of Confident is a book. It's one of my COVID babies. I had a couple grandchildren born during COVID, but I also wrote this book, The Right Kind of Confident, during COVID, the first year of COVID. And I had no idea um, at the time when I started it, how relevant it would be to what we're facing right now. Yeah. Well, that leads me actually to a question that I wanted to ask you, which was, what was really like the inspiration for you that to write this book? Like, did you feel like the Holy Spirit was just like, this is it? Was it something you were thinking about for a long time? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's always, uh, when, when you write a book, it's it's kind of a combination of, you know, something that's on your heart versus something that meshes with what your publisher thinks is, is kind of a need of the hour. Um, uh, so there, there are a lot of different factors that go into that when, when you actually sit down to pen a manuscript. But, uh, one of the things that really struck me as I was thinking about this, I mean, I wrote the right kind of strong, you know, for women to be strong. And you mentioned, uh, true woman, 101, 201, what really, um, uh, what it means to be a woman or what womanhood is all about. And, um, and then you were also telling me that you were reading The Feminist Mistake, which is something I wrote way back when I was your age, uh, that that really, you know, talks about what does it mean to be a woman? What are the pressures we're facing mm-hmm. in terms of the way we think about our lives? And so one, so I talked about strength, I talked about womanhood, and I just think that it's such a cultural message uh, today about we're we're told what we ought to be as women and one of the strongest messages is that we should be you know strong confident women you know in control yeah, don't show weakness and don't show weakness and you better be able to show some ninja moves mm-hmm. you know if not if not physically like you look at all the movies and the you know all the ninja wonder girls and if not just physically that's kind of like a um a relational kind of a picture that you better be able to, you know, give a good swift kick where it's needed. And, um, you know, th- th- women ought to be on the brash side and, um, co- you know, oozing with confidence. And, you know, I agree with the whole uh, precept that women should be confident, but I think the idea of what confidence means in our society, you know, we have a real image of, okay, well, what's a strong, confident woman? So we all have an image of what that means, and society feeds that to us constantly. So, um, I mean, what comes to mind for you, Delaney, when you think of that term, you know, strong, confident woman? I think of someone who has to be perfect all the time. Like, they have Mm -hmm. to have the career and be like climbing the ladder but also have the perfect family the perfect marriage like they've got the perfect I just see perfect outfit the perfect Instagram like that's what I see and Mm -hmm. for me it's like if you show weakness you're a weak person you're a weak woman and you're not any of those things that we talked about like you're not confident you're not strong you're not anything if you show any sort of weakness even if it's something small Like, I come a little bit from corporate America where um, I work at a nonprofit now, but I come from corporate America where uh, most of the women that I worked with were cutthroat because they felt like they had to be. 
Yeah. And like the men, it was so different. They were usually a lot more relaxed and they didn't need to prove anything. But the women, I always got the vibe that they had to prove something to everybody else in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So being in control, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the one who who steers the conversation. I'm the one. um, um, I'm not going to bend. I'm going to, you know, be, uh, you know, walk into a situation and take control. Um, Yeah, you've described, especially in corporate America, kind of this whole image of, well, what a confident woman is. And, you know, when we go through college or we go through even high school uh, in, you know, the girls today who are going through, you know, the next generation going through high school and going uh, then into college and going into the workforce or whatever it is that they're doing, this whole mantra that you should be a strong, confident woman and what that should look like um, is is kind of preached to women. And so they end up with what, what happens, though, often is that it's like a pseudo confidence because actually, if you take a look at the research, uh, most women, eighty to eighty-five percent plus, say that on the inside they don't feel confident, but on the outside they're just putting on an act. So uh, what they are? Can I just yeah. say something about that? Like, there's right now like a an audio reel going on right now that talks about that, and it's actually it's Rihanna's voice, and they ask her something like, "What do you do when you wake up and you don't feel the most confident?" And she literally says, "Pretend." And she says, pretend or what, cry myself to sleep every night. Like she literally says that. And I I just thought when I saw that too, I'm like, that's kind of sad. Like she has to pretend that she's confident, even if she's not, she can't be honest about that with anybody. Well, and that's the thing. I would say that most women and most women listening to this podcast too, struggle with confidence. 100%. 100% struggle with feeling confident. And we're told as women uh, you cannot show that you don't have confidence. Fake it till you make it. And um, you act confident and acting and pretending that you're confident is what will make you a confident woman. Now, again, that doesn't line up with what we find in the Word of God. And there's a really interesting verse that I picked as the keystone to the whole book, The Right Kind of Confident. Um, and actually, the the um, subtitle is The Remarkable Grit of a God-fearing woman. I love that. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a great verse, and this this whole book is kind of uh, revolves around this verse, and it's in Proverbs 14, verse 26, and it says this: "In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence." Mm. So it's that verse is actually fascinating because it's talking about strong confidence and the Bible talks a lot about confidence and that we ought to be confident, but then it gives you a formula for where we find that kind of confidence and that that kind of confidence is found in the fear of the Lord. Yeah, it's unexpected. Which is also, yes. So totally unexpected because the message that we get in society is, you know what, we need to overcome fear in order to become Mm -hmm. confident. And fear is the enemy of confidence. And if we feel fearful, we just have to fake it till we make it, pretend, uh, look ourselves in the mirror, give ourselves a little bit of a pep talk, get over the fear and uh, act like a confident woman. and, And then that confidence will come. But this formula here in Proverbs fourteen twenty six is so counterintuitive. 
it actually says you need to embrace a certain kind of fear in order to become a confident woman. In order to have strong confidence, you need to embrace the fear of the Lord. Yeah, that that too, that threw me for a loop because I was reading your book and I was like, okay, now we're talking about fear a lot. I was like, okay, I'm super down, but I was like, what is the connection? So can you can you just talk about like, what is the role of fear when it comes to godly confidence? And, and in your book, you talk, um, I think it's a four facets of godly fear. Would you maybe just quickly describe for us like what those maybe are and just what is the role of fear in all of this? Well, I think there's, uh, I think that as a culture, we have kind of put fear into the category of uh, fear is bad stuff. Like when it, being afraid is bad and we should never feel afraid. And so we have this concept of what fear is that fear is a negative feeling. Fear is a negative feeling that we need to overcome. And the world tells us that fear stands in the way of confidence. In order to gain confidence, we need to overcome fear. But the Bible tells us in this verse that fear is the friend of confidence. So, you know, we, we have this kind of mixed message here. Well, what is it? Is it, you know, is, is fear a friend or is it a foe? And we need to go back, I think, to understand what exactly fear is, because I think we view fear, um, our, our concept of fear is far too small. If you were to crack open a dictionary from the 1800s, you would find that fear had a positive as well as a negative aspect to it, that the right kind of fear is a really good thing. The wrong kind of fear is a bad thing. So the right kind of fear, when you're fearing God and a fear of the Lord, that makes you stronger, whereas if you're fearing the wrong things, that makes you weaker. So so I think we need to revisit our whole um, concept of what fear is about, and the Bible actually gives us a lot of insight into what fear is. And it shows that when we um, fearing God, uh, when we fear God more than we fear all the other stuff in our life, that we're going to have strong and smart confidence. And also, if we rely on God more than we rely on all the other stuff in our lives, we're going to have strong, smart confidence. And that's really counterintuitive because mm-hmm. the word world, the world tells us that we shouldn't fear anything and that we should rely on ourselves. So the world is telling us, don't be afraid, don't fear anything, fear is bad, and rely on yourself, girl, you know, stand tall, you got what it takes. And uh, the Bible really seems to be counterintuitive to that. It basically says, you know what, none of us have what it takes, only God has what it takes. And when we fear Him, and when we rely on Him, instead of on ourselves, that's what will give us strong confidence. Yeah, and I think it would work if we didn't have weakness and we didn't sin. If I was perfect, Mm -hmm. like, man, yeah, I can rely on myself. I can get it done. I'm not, you know, and so all of that, I feel like, is just, like, we can't, I don't, I don't know what it is about culture. It's, like, we can't admit to our need for weakness because, what, then we have to admit that we need something more than ourselves, Mm -hmm. Like there's such a connection of that. Like I have to love myself and be confident in myself or if not, then I might have to start thinking about something beyond myself. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Confidence and fear are so closely related and that whole concept of am I enough? Um, Do I have what it takes? 
because fear, essentially, when you look at it, it's kind of an emotion that says, you know, takes a look at a situation and you're going, you know what, this is bigger than me. It's more powerful than me. And this is beyond my control. And so I'm starting to feel fearful because I don't have what it takes. And really fear is that at, at the root of it, fear is that emotion. I don't have what it takes. This is bigger and more powerful than me. And of course, you know, when we look at the, that's why we fear uh, circumstances. That's why we fear like a diagnosis like cancer. It's like, I can't control this. Mm -hmm. This is bigger than me and I'm afraid of it. And that's like, or if, you know, we run into a situation where we're in danger, um, it's like, I can't control this. I can't control what's happening. It's bigger than me. It's out of, out of my control. Um, but the Bible says that, you know what, when you, that kind of emotion, when you couple that with saying, yes, it is bigger than me. It is out of my control, but, um, God is, uh, able to handle it. God is bigger than the thing that I fear. God is my fear rather than the circumstance or situation. Then when we begin to put fear in the right perspective, we start to gain more confidence. Right. And it reminds me, everything that you just said reminds me of that beatitude. And I always remember the message version of it um, rather than like the ESV, but it says, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope for there, because there's more of God in his rule. And I'm mm. like, man, that we like, we're so anti-weakness and our weakness is really one of the biggest things that's pointing to me that pointing to me that I need God, I have a need for him, and that he's in control. Absolutely. And fear, when it's the right kind of fear, the, um, sort of the knee-knocking, awesome kind of fear, takes a look at God and sees God for who he is. And I just think there, there's a story, um, and, and do you all remember it, Delaney, with the uh, story of the disciples in the boat? Mm -hmm. And it's the stormy night at sea, and the boat is being tossed about, and they are, like, super scared. Now, and it must have been quite the storm, because these were fishermen. They're used to these storms at sea. You know, they probably felt, yeah, we're good, and, you know, we can handle it. And as the story goes, there's a sudden storm, bad storm that hits Sea of Galilee and uh, they're in danger. The boat is in danger of really being tipped. They're, they're in danger of losing their lives. And uh, the passage tells us they are really, really scared. They are afraid. And so, but then what happens is uh, Jesus, who is sleeping in the stern of the boat, um, you know, they, they wake Jesus up at some point in the midst of their panic and they say, don't you care that we're drowning Jesus? Like, yeah. don't you get it? Aren't you afraid? Like you need to be afraid here with us and, uh, help us maybe bail or do something. And Jesus gets up and he calms the storm and everything turns calm. And then what's fascinating in this passage is there that the disciples all of a sudden, um, their fear of the storm uh, turns, kind of morphs, and it says th that they were very afraid. So they were more afraid, in a sense, of the power and the, the uh, glory and the majesty and the sheer uh, power that Jesus demonstrated in calming the storm 
than they were of the storm itself. Wow. So the storm, yeah. So it's it's like okay, they were afraid of the storm, but then it says Jesus got up and and it calmed the storm, and then in the passage it says they feared greatly. So they feared more, um, and that would be because they were starting to see. They're starting to get it in terms of who Jesus was. Like, who is this really riding in my boat? And I think it's the same with fear in our hearts and our lives. Like, we get into a mess or we get in a bad situation or COVID hits us or we lose our jobs or we get that diagnosis or we run into some relational struggles and we're really afraid of the situation. But what the Bible invites us to do is to get our eyes off the situation and look at the power and the majesty and glory of God and be awed by him and really let that fear of the Lord sweep over us. And when that happens, when we fear him more, we fear other things less Mm. and we become more confident. I love that. And I loved like the example that you also used of that in your book um, from the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. And I feel like I'm going to butcher the sentence, but basically it was like Lucy asking probably like a beaver or something like what was the deal with Aslan? And she was like, well, he's not tame, but he's safe, I think was the line. And he's good. And so I'm yeah. like, that's... Let me, uh, you know what? I've got that right here. Yeah, I just read it. It's so good. Yeah. So this is the, this is kind of talks about that mix of feeling that we have when we, when we actually approach Christ and see him for who he is. And it's kind of like the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are telling the children about Aslan and Aslan is the lion who metaphorically or allegorically um, represents Christ. So here, here it goes. Um, Is he a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan a man? Said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is 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 he quite safe? I shall felt, feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking. They're either braver than most or else just silly. Mm. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Oh, I'm longing to see him, said Peter, even if I do feel frightened when it comes to the point. So here's this incredible paradox. And I mean, C.S. Lewis is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just one of my favorite series of books is the whole, you know, line, Witch in the Wardrobe and the Chronicles of Narnia. But He's basically saying, you know, Christ is not like us. He is so far above us, so much um, more powerful and uh, glorious and other than us. Um, And he's not safe. Like sometimes when we uh, walk with Jesus, we are on a, you know, (laughs) we go for a rough ride. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. big time storms. <laughs> big time storms sometimes. It says, uh, scripture says, many are the troubles of the righteous. 
And then it says, but the Lord will deliver him out mm. from them all. So he, he isn't safe. It can be like a wild roller coaster ride walking with the Lord, but he's good. He's so, so good. And when we fear him more than we fear other things, um, our confidence increases and we, we will see that regardless of how big the storm is, he'll get us through to the other side. Yeah, and that's why it's so important just to like know his character. Because if I don't know that he's good, if I don't know that he is a plan and a purpose for me, then man, those storms are going to be extra awful. <laughs> like not that they're not like hard the entire time, but if there's no like hope, in who he is, then getting mm. through storms and getting through trials, I mean, I, I don't know how you do it. Honestly, I really don't. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really the key right there is when when the storm looks big, we need to run to something that's bigger, and that's Jesus. And if we if we don't know who Christ is, if we don't know who God is, if we don't have that sense of fear and wonder who he is, if our God, if the God that we worship um, is small in our minds or in, in, you know, in the way with that we view him. If our God is small, then our problems will seem very big. But if our God is um, enormous and big and powerful, then our problems will seem very small. Yeah, I love that. And just so much of that to me just screams Isaiah 6, which is like probably my favorite passage, just like when Isaiah, you know, like gets this vision and he uh, sees the glory of God, just the way that he reacted, I think also shows such a reverent fear of God. Like he was, he didn't worship. Like I thought that, you know, when you meet God, the first thing you would do would maybe be like worship or like thank him. And he's just like, man, I'm sinful. And like, woe is me. So I love that description. But um, I wanted to ask you too, because confidence is such a thing I feel like that's hard and just at the heart of women, that is something that we just all really struggle with. Um, and you talk about in your book, confidence killers. What would you say are these like confidence killers that we struggle with as women? Well, I think con- some, some confidence killers are um, when we put confidence in our in the wrong place. And that's kind of the biggest confidence killer is not understanding that, that, that confidence has to do with what we rely on. And if we rely on um, ourselves and on fragile things, um, that's, that's going to that's gonna kill our confidence. Um, and I think that's, that's where confidence in a biblical view is so different than confidence in the world's view. Confidence in the world view says you need to believe in yourself more, just love yourself more, trust yourself more. Um, it's all about me. And confidence in the biblical view says no, this isn't about trusting yourself. You know, you, you don't need to you don't need to view yourself as less. You just need to view God as more. Mm. And so it's I think where women go wrong with with confidence is they get all wrapped up in do I have do I have what it takes? And when it comes right down to it, the Bible says none of us do. <laughs> you know, none of us have what it takes, but God has what it takes. And when we rely on Him our confidence can flow from an entirely different source. So I think um, some of the confidence uh, killers are, you know, if, if, if we have too small of a view of God, you know, if, if our view of God is small, then we're going to have trouble with 
our confidence. Um, if we lean on things that are um, less than than uh, you know who God is, if we if we if we view the the Bible calls that leaning on a spider's web. Mm-hmm. You know when we rely on things that are you know that that are ultimately going to let us down. So you know if we rely perhaps on our political situation or relationships or on our own strength and ability not that we are not to put trust in those at all but it's just a matter of do we trust god more than we trust that mm-hmm. so when the when the web gives away and when you know we all of a sudden don't have the health or the energy or the um situation you know when there's loss when there's heartache when there's sorrow and everything we're relying on gives way do we have God as the rock solid foundation of our strength and our confidence because that will never give way so I think um when also another th- a con- another confidence killer is when we are too worried about what other people think mm. about us you know, when we are thinking, okay, um, my confidence depends on what other people's view of me is. And women struggle so much with that. I mean, wouldn't you see that, say that among your friends? It's, oh, my goodness, it's, yeah. It's such a huge fear. It's like, you know, well, what are they going to think of me? And we do more things, what I've noticed, too, and I'm like, as just growing up, like we do more things to impress women than we do to impress men. Like I always noticed that like, even when I was like single, I was like, your mind always goes to what is the, what is that woman going to think of me? And it like before men, which was always so interesting to me. So yeah, a hundred percent. I get that. Yeah. You're worried about what you're going to wear or whether your hair, you know, having a good hair day or a bad hair day. Can literally make or break your day. Having a better habit. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Or if you, you know, or if you're in a social setting and you say the wrong thing, put your foot in your mouth and then obsess about it. Or, you know, it's the whole fear of people um, that becomes bigger in our hearts and minds than the fear of the Lord. So that's, that's a real big confidence killer is, is not, is not dealing with, um, the fear in our hearts, the fear of man, fear of women, <laughs> fear of what fear of, women are. Yeah. I feel like that's even bigger for women. It's fear of other women. We always care more about, I feel like what the woman next door is going to think, or that woman at church that seems like she has a lot of what she's going to think of me. Cause I'm a mess. Or in the, or in your homeschool group, right. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not doing the mom thing. Right. And that's why we have all our mummy wars. Like, you know, it's like, your arguments over which way to raise your kids is best and this mom is getting it right, that mom's getting it wrong and, um, you know, the whole us, them, uh, it, it's just, it's so counterproductive. And it's the and, enemy, like, I've, it's the enemy trying to divide women. Like, I feel like God really wants women to empower women in a way that's biblical, in a way that's godly, and instead this is a way that he divides us. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely. So dealing with that fear of of uh, what others think is huge when it comes to developing good, solid biblical confidence. Um, the, the 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 Bible tells us that you know the fear of man or the fear of man really is uh, can undo us, and really um, we need to look to the Lord rather than what uh, others think of us. Amen. And you know what? I think I think if we were to truly um, 
really grasp what God thinks of us rather than what worry about what people think of us, I think we'd have way more confidence. I mean, the Bible is just so chock full of what God thinks of us, you know, in terms of who we are in Christ. You know, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're dearly loved. We're God's delight. We're welcome. We're accepted. There's no condemnation. And if women would truly grasp uh, the truth of Scripture and embrace that and say, you know what, I'm putting my confidence in that instead of my confidence in other things of what other, you know, meeting some kind of arbitrary standard of the girlfriends, I think we'd be way more confident. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes to all of what you said with this example that you give in the book of a blue pill and a red pill. And I, it's from the, I think it's from the Matrix, right? I've never seen the Matrix, and I don't, I yeah. don't plan to. It seems confusing to me. But can you just explain what the blue pill confidence is, what the red pill confidence is? Sure, actually, yeah, sure. Well, the Matrix is the story of, uh, you know, there's Neo, who's the hero of the the movie, and he's basically caught in this web of a fake world, you know, a deceitful world that's computer generated. And he, at one point in time, is offered the choice of a blue, taking a blue pill and the red pill. And, you know, the blue pill where he's, a, you know, he'll be able to, um, uh, you know, go back to his, uh, his matrix and he's going to remain under the spell of the computer's mind-controlling delusion. But everything will be nice. It'll be comfortable. It'll be easy. And um, it'll be a deceptive fantasy, but, you know, it it won't be real. It won't be truth. Or he can take the red pill, which basically will pull him out of the matrix and give him a um, truth-based version of reality. And he will be able to see reality for what it is. Won't be as easy. Won't be um, the self-deception going on. But... Uh, he won't be caught up in this fantasy world. So that's the whole red pill, blue blue pill kind of thing. And I think with confidence, I talk about the example of Moses. And when you look back at Moses and his story, Moses was really kind of uh, started out being a blue pill confident kind of a guy. So he trusted in his own um, resources. The Bible tells us that, you know, he was highly... um, competent and capable capable he was the adopted grandson of the pharaoh he was brought up with riches he was a great military leader um and 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 he had confidence that you know he was something and that he would perhaps be able to help the um the hebrew people uh, free from uh, become free from slavery but then he got caught up in um, a conflict and uh, lost all his confidence, lost his power, lost his position, lost his uh, family, really, because his his adopted family, you know, sought to kill him after he um, murdered um, uh, murdered an Egyptian um, overseer, and he had to leave his country, and he went into the wilderness, crossed the desert, and became a shepherd, which was like the lowest of the low. He became nothing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, so when he encountered God, that was 40 years later, he was super insecure. 
Uh, he had no confidence in his own ability. When God spoke to him from the burning bush, he said, no way, God, you've got it wrong. I can't do this. I can't do this. So, um, and, and the Lord really confronts him and says, you know what, Moses, this is not about you. This is about my power. And you're still swallowing the wrong pill when it comes to confidence. You need to stop relying on your own self, like the whole thing that I can do. I, either you feel that you can do it or you feel you're too insecure to do it. And you need to swallow the red pill here and understand that I am bigger and what I say goes. And so if you put your trust in me and put your confidence in me, I will be your strength. I will be your confidence. I will deliver the people. I will help you. So it's it's super interesting story, um, you know, unpacking it and going through it because Moses was, you know, that I'm really confident, but it was a fragile kind of confidence. It was a foolish confidence. And when that his confidence was tested really by circumstances, it fell through. And then he um, even, and then, you know, closer to the, when, when uh, God confronted him from the burning bush, he was insecure. He lacked confidence. He was a shell of his former self. He just thought, I, I don't have what it takes. Before he thought, I do have what it takes. And then now he thought, I don't have what it, it takes. And both of those views were, were not right. Those, they, what God wanted Moses to do was to get his eyes off of himself and put his eyes on the Lord because that's the true source of confidence. If we look to ourselves for confidence, either we're going to, you know, be in one of two ditches where we're going to be arrogant and think, "Oh, I can do this. I can handle it. I've got the looks, I've got the power, I've got the competence." Um and at some point in time that's going to fail us because that's like leaning on a spider's web. Or we can be in the other ditch where I don't have anything. I'm so insecure. I can't do it. I can't walk into that room. Um, I'm just, you know, what are they going to think of me? I'm feeling so insecure. I'm nobody. Uh, and that's not the right perspective either. Those are both kind of your blue pill perspectives of false matrix that, that, that Satan wants us to live in, either the overconfidence or the insecurity yeah. where we're crippled. And I think that, that women tend to be in one of those two camps and maybe sometimes even both at the same time, you know, where, and that's the whole pretending thing that we started off talking about that. Yeah, I, I can't show weakness. I need to pretend that I'm confident. And that's all living in this fake pretend world. Um, whereas God wants us to take give us the red pill and say, you know what, let me take your source of confidence from relying on your own stuff and your own circumstances, pull you out of that, pull you into reality and help you see life for what it really is and help you rely on me because I'm the only source of true confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you either have, we either have the wrong kind of confidence or we have no confidence. And so yeah. I would, and, and we just don't live in the reality of our neediness, which I'm like, man, that's just what really points everyone to the Lord is the fact that we, we need him. So yeah, I love that whole example. That was like super profound to me with that. When you're talking to women who um, are either in 
the wrong kind of confidence or they have no confidence, what is like your advice to them? What are ways that you can build the right kind of confidence? Mm, Yeah. Well, I think that uh, fear is a good indicator whenever it creeps up in our hearts and our lives. Like, you know, if you're, if you're, um, getting nervous and scared and anxious about something, uh, that can sometimes be a good kind of a barometer to, to kind of go, wait a minute, where am I putting my confidence? Am I putting my confidence in the right place or am I fearing the wrong things? Um, so that's a good, you know, there's nothing wrong with feeling fear. Fear is an emotion. And I think that, that, um, a lot of the messaging that we get is that we need to overcome fear. You know, we can't feel fear because feeling fear is bad. And the Bible's messaging is is a little bit different than that. I, I think that God gave us fear and that our emotions of fear are very can be very, very helpful for our hearts and our, our minds and our insights. God doesn't want us to squelch fear. He, he wants us to put fear in the right place. So when we put our fear of him above our fear of other things, then we're able to manage life a lot better and, and, and have confidence that is, is deeply rooted. So I I just think of, um, you know, all the girlfriends that I have, you know, personal friends and Delaney, I'm sure you can think of of a whole bunch of your own friends or, or uh, people in your circle where, you know, the women are going through really, really hard things, you know, whether it's with kids or, or um, their marriages or finances or whatever it is that they're going through. And I tell the story of a couple girlfriends of mine who, who lost their kids mm-hmm. actually, um, uh, just over the last couple years, and they, they've been rocked. You know, mm. their boats have been rocked with these horrible, horrible storms, and they're afraid, and they're feeling that fear. And I think the the message of the Bible is, you know what, is, is not, oh, let, let me drum up more confidence to overcome my fear. The, the message of the Bible is... Um, Christ saying, come to me, (laughs) come to me and I will give you peace and put your fear in the right place. Fear me more than you fear the other things. Just come running to me. Um, and, and, and I will help you deal with those fears and I will be your confidence. Mm -hmm. You don't have to drum up confidence, some sort of fake confidence or some sort of, um, you know, fake external, fake it till you make it. I got to show the world that I'm strong. I got to show the world that I'm confident. It's okay to come to Christ and just be totally fearful and totally needy and just to lay that all down and to allow him to become our fear and and to make those other fears seem very, very small. Mm. Uh, so, and I think that's what, um, that that's what, we see often in scripture is not that, uh, and I just think of David in the Psalms. He was he was often told the Lord how afraid he was, and he. But but here's what he says. He said, "When I am afraid, I am. I will trust in you." Mm. 
So our fears and our insecurities and our worries are really an invitation. I mean, we tend to go, oh, that's bad. Let's get rid of our fears and our worries and our anxieties. But they serve as an invitation, really. God uses them as an invitation to, to, to turn to him and to take those things to him. David said it when I am afraid, not if I am afraid or I shouldn't be afraid, but when I am afraid. And I think that's the reality for all of us. We all face fears and we need to understand that when we are afraid, that's an opportunity to just take those, all those emotions and, and insecurities and worries and take them to the Lord and make him our confidence. Hmm. And it reminds me of that line that you said in your book, where at the beginning you started with this question that this woman had asked, and she had said, what would you do if you if you weren't afraid? And then you said, you said that was the wrong question because the right question is, what will you do when you feel afraid? And that exactly. was maybe the most impactful line to me because it is like fear – we can't, I don't know why we pretend like fear isn't going to be a part of our life, but what are we going to do in spite of our fear? It goes back to that grit that you were talking about. And so how would you like just challenge um, the sisters who are listening with that? Like, what will you do when you feel afraid? Well, and I think that's the, that's the question, right? That is the question because uh, um, the world tells us the question is, um, Oh, how do I overcome my fear? Um, how do I get rid of fear? How do I, you know, pump up my own tires so I'm not feeling afraid, you know, and um, or that I have the power somehow to overcome uh, those feelings and that and those emotions? Like I need to find that within myself. And Scripture just says, no, 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 girl, you don't need to find that within yourself. You're swallowing the blue pill. <laughs> The red pill is that you're going to be afraid. Life is scary. Uh, um, there are circumstances in life that will, will unnerve us. And, and the question is, when you feel afraid, what will you do? What will you do when you feel afraid? And the, the, the answer, according to the Word of God, is when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Mm. And to th- throw ourselves um, wholeheartedly into the arms of the one who uh, really is is all powerful and bigger than any storm that we might face. Mm, I love that, and just and ending on that because that's really what it is is like that I can trust the Lord in complete dependence. I can trust the Lord more than anyone else. I fear him more than anyone else. And and just that intimacy and that dependence that it will bring in your life. So thank you for sharing that. Before we go, I can't not talk about Gather. Okay. Right. If you aren't signed up for Gather, it's on February 4th and 5th. Tickets are still available. You can visit grace.church slash gather for your tickets. But Mary, can you just give us like a tiny little sneak peek into your topic, which is going to be battle ready? Battle ready. I love it. I'm so excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because just as I've been going, you know, uh, thinking about preparing for the conference, I'm starting to prepare my messages. Uh, and again, last year I was supposed to be with you, but couldn't come. I know because we were sad. I know. Yeah, I, I was know. sad too. And this year, I'm hoping I'm going to make it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it. You know, the 
Lord willing, we're Lord still willing. facing some facing some issues here with travel and all kinds of lockdowns, but I'm thinking it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, just the whole theme of battle ready and how do we, um, how are we, or how does the word of God equip us to face the battles in our life and not just COVID battles, um, regulation battles, political battles, but just those, all those life battles, you know, battles and relationships and, battles with emotions and battles with um, uh, anxiety and all sorts of battles. How, how does God equip us to deal with that? And as I was preparing, I was thinking, yeah, I think we need to know how to be battle ready, but I also think we need to know how not to get battle weary mm. <laughs> because a lot of us have been facing so many battles. We don't even, when we hear the thing, oh, be battle ready, we're thinking, oh man, I don't want to be battle. Like I've, I've been going through the battle. Yeah. I just want the battle. T- I just want it, the battle to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't want to be battle ready. I want to be over it. So, uh, but, but God will meet us in all of those situations, whether we're in the midst of a battle or feeling weary from a battle, or just not even knowing if we even have the strength to take one more step in the battle, um, being afraid of the battle, all all, all of the above, um, fighting the cultural battle, because that's a huge one uh, for a lot of women right now, and, you know, in terms of their kids and the battles that they're facing um, with their kids, or even just in terms of raising kids, sure isn't easy these days. And uh, just being able to speak to all of that and how, how the Lord um, is our warrior and is our strong tower and uh, makes our hands strong for battle. Yeah, and I think this episode is just such great preparation for that because we've already talked about so many of those battles um, that the enemy especially uses against women. And so we've already na- you've already named a lot of that in this episode is mm-hmm. the fear of man, the fear of what other women think, all of those different things. And all so, the insecurities yes. and anxieties and, and the what-ifs that keep us awake at night. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So this is just, like the perfect preparation for gather and what you're going to be speaking about but thank you so much for being able to come on this show and honestly for writing this book if you haven't gotten this book you need to like I just was shook at like how deep also confidence goes like I feel like sometimes we think of confidence as a surfacey thing and I was like no like the Bible actually has a lot to say about this and so if you haven't gotten Mary's book go and get that you will love it I could not put it down and thank you just for sharing um, just for your authenticity and just for being I feel like your voice specifically is just a voice for the culture in the moment, in that time, you know, like every time I pick up something of yours, I'm like, yeah, this is what our culture needs right now. And so I thank you for being that and just for being just a godly woman that we can look up to. And we're so excited. I'm just going to pray. We're so excited to see you at Gather in a couple weeks. I am excited too, Delaney. Looking forward to seeing you and all the other women and uh, hopefully getting all kinds of big hugs from all of you. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. And um, sisters, thank you for listening. We are just so thankful for you, Mary. And sisters, join us in two more Mondays for She is Becoming.